This is a quick but super important reminder that this episode comes with a content warning. This is simply to empower you, our audience, with the knowledge you need to make healthy decisions about how and if you should consume this podcast content. Cognitive behavioral therapy is my specialty. I am really big on teaching different tactics to shift the negative thought into positive thinking. Um, I am really big on positive affirmations, um, you know, visual manifestation. So I teach that still to hundreds of children, the power of your words um, and how you can bring life back to yourself um, by even understanding your power first and foremost, right? So that has been a success. Well, it's so nice to meet you. I'm so glad that I can meet you being a part of Element. If you can just start off by telling me some about yourself. What's your name? Um, what do you do for a living? Um, what What are some of your main passions? So my name is Naisha D. Williams. I am a mental wellness practitioner, certified life coach, herbalist, two-time best-selling author, a mother, a wife, the founder of three all-girls schools in Africa, um, Uganda, Malawi, and Ghana. And my day-to-day when I'm not homeschooling my children, I am helping young girls and women uh, heal through the art of storytelling. And when I say storytelling, that means telling the stories that we don't like to share because we feel that if we do, we'll be judged or displaced or any other any of the lower vibrational emotions. Um, so I like to tap into a place of truth. And when I'm not, again, when I'm not homeschooling, that's what I'm doing. Touring the world, speaking to young girls or women about living in their truth. My gosh, that's, that's amazing. I like that a lot. Um... What is homeschooling like for you? Has that only been a thing recently with COVID or is that a thing you've always done? not. So I've all, well, so my oldest daughter, she's turning 21 in March. Mm -hmm. I started homeschooling her eighth grade Mm -hmm. and I have two younger uh, children, a younger daughter and a younger son. So I just homeschooled them. They haven't even been to public school or private school. I just kept it going and I absolutely love it. Of course, they get on my nerves sometimes, but I love it. I love what it. what made you make that decision? So um, I always wanted to homeschool because I felt like uh, my husband and I knew more than enough information. We traveled mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I do believe in like world schooling. Um, you want to learn Spanish? Let's go to a Spanish speaking country. Um And because I was working so much and always on the road, I didn't get a chance to. So when we moved to L.A., my oldest daughter, um, she was like the darkest skinned girl in school. She was getting mistreated. Um, There was no 
curriculum that resonated with her. Uh, there was no representation. And I felt like, okay, so instead of her going down this destructive path or feeling depressive every single day, um, I'll take things in my own hands. And that's what I did. That's, that's fair enough. <laughs> um, did you experience stuff like that when you were in school? Were you homeschooled? Were you in a public school? I was not homeschooled. I was definitely in a public school and I did not experience any of that because where I grew up in the inner city, we all looked mm, like yeah. one another, right? Um, it would actually be a shock to us if there was someone else that entered the school that did not look like me. Mm. Um, I didn't start, I didn't start experiencing any racism or, uh, gender inequality or any of that store. And so I started becoming a nurse when I went to medical mm -hmm. school. Um, and then, you know, being the youngest and a woman and with the African diaspora, it was just everything was mistreatment. And I knew that I could not live my life like that for an extended period of time. And I said, enough was enough. I was losing myself, right? Mm. Um, I was unhappy. I come from a very, very creative background. Mm. I mm -hmm. sung and danced all my life. I went to a performing arts high school. So I just was losing myself just being focused on just the money. And I said enough was enough. I left. Best decision in my life. Really? Very, yes. Best decision I've made. That's... Yeah. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Where did you grow up? Um, so I grew up in Newark, New Jersey. Okay. Um, we, I was born in like the very, very hard area of the inner city. I grew up in the projects, mm -hmm. um, very impoverished neighborhood. My mom was there. My dad was in and out, but I did have a stepfather who played a major role in my life. Um, I have two younger sisters. My mother made sure she kept me in performing arts, right? So singing and dancing, and that actually saved me. So I would not go out in the streets or mess around with the wrong crowd or anything mm -hmm. of that sort. Um, and then I started moving. My, my stepfather was in the army. I was mm -hmm. able to see the world more. And here I am now in Atlanta. There you go. Um, so tell me more about, you know, when when you were younger, what, what your teen years were like. Um, teen years was a little harsh. So mm. I am a survivor. Um, I see my mom or my parents. They were in the streets a lot. Mm. Um, so drug-infested neighborhoods, um, you know, verbal abuse, um, you know, I experienced it all. So it was really, really rough. So I felt like I was alone. I really didn't have anyone inside the house to speak to. Uh, there may be moments where everyone loves everyone, but then in a split second, it can be war inside the house, right? Um, and then... At the age of 16, I got pregnant uh, with my daughter and I had a nervous breakdown and I just asked out, woke Oof. up. I was in the hospital. 
Um, you know, there were so many questions like what was going on? You know, what's wrong, Naisha? What's happening? And that was actually the first time I spoke about my assault because I felt like most victims that you're the cause, that you're the reason. Um, so I kept it to myself. What caused you to, to speak out? And um, one, you see what happens with your body, right? Keeping right. trauma stored. Um, it breaks down on a molecular yeah. level. Yeah. So, you know, enough was enough, right? There's nothing that I can hide at this point. Look at my body. Look what it's doing. It's almost screaming that I need to share my truth. Um, and then once that happened, I knew that I didn't want that same lifestyle for my daughter. So mm. I started to slowly but surely open up, share what happened. Um, and I mean, it started in high school. I started a group in high school for teen moms. And mm. here I am now still sharing my truth because, you know, healing is, is nonlinear. It's we're always evolving. There's always something that happens in life. Um, so I've learned that being the most authentic that you can be and sharing your truth actually helps a lot of people. So I live by that. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, so you mentioned starting a group in high school for teen moms. That's, that's amazing. I don't, almost nobody would be like, yeah, let's, let's do that. Right. I want to, I want to. I want to start that club because nobody, nobody has the guts to, right. <laughs> to right. uh, that's a very taboo subject. Um, you know, when you say no one has the guts, this is something that I've noticed about myself just recently. I've always been the one with the guts. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing. I've I can always tell. been the one and I'm happy that you can tell, like even it, did, it doesn't matter what situation, what room it is, who the person is, right? I've always had the guts to stand up for yeah. others. Mm -hmm. My problem was I wasn't standing up for myself. Yep. Yeah. Right? That's what I do. That's so yeah. You live your life. So you yeah. see me, right? You get oh, it. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. You start that kind of group and you're like, I get to support all of these amazing people, and but mm -hmm. you aren't getting the support that mm -hmm. you need. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, what was something that you learned from, from starting that, that group in high school? So um, I learned that no matter how you look or where you're from, we have a lot in common, mm. we as people, right? Um, and although I started it in my neighborhood, I started connecting with so many other teen moms, right? There were so many other young girls who needed a safe space, needed that safe haven, um, needed to share their truth, needed to feel as if if I'm going to be vulnerable today, someone is going to protect me and show up for me. Um, I mean, and that is how we expanded, you know, all of the schools. You know, it started in my living room and here we are now. We're talking about 35 students per school, mm. so, which I would like to keep it that way. Right. Nothing too big. I want to keep it intimate. I want to be focused on these young girls as they transition. 
Cool. <laughs> um, have you, I mean, obviously you've been able to teach a lot of things that are a part of your expertise and things like that. Have you been able to, to teach things that you were able to learn through, through your experience as a, as a teenager? Yes. So cognitive behavioral therapy is my specialty. I am really big on teaching different tactics to shift the negative thought into positive thinking. Mm. Um, I am really big on positive affirmations, um, you know, visual manifestation. So I teach that still to hundreds of children, the power of your words um, and how you can bring life back to yourself. Um, by even understanding your power first and foremost, right? So that yeah. has been a success. Cool. Yeah. I wish I wish I wish someone was teaching me when I was growing up that just as bad as I spoke to myself that I can speak yeah. good into yeah. myself, right? Yeah. Um, that would have helped me a lot growing yeah. up. Yeah. How how are you able to do that? I mean, I know that's a thing that a lot, a lot of people, I mean, especially teen girls struggle with is thinking super negatively about themselves. Right. How, I mean, you also mentioned turning negative thoughts into positive thoughts. And so how do you do that? So you that's, know, that's, that's a, that's a very impressive skill. Thank you. Um, and that's a really good question. So what I've learned, uh, by, introducing cognitive behavior therapy or CBT to a lot of mm. different young girls, the voices that we hear or what we're telling ourselves was implanted in us without yeah. our permission. It's not really us, right? It may be a parent it may be mm. someone at school, a faculty, uh, someone who we thought was our friends. So once we learn how to remove the noise and actually hear mm. our thoughts and see ourselves without the attachment of anyone else or anything else, it'll be easier. And that's where uh, the CBT come into play. Like, who are you, right? Who is Abby without the attachment of this friend or without this right. parent or without this uh, sports or whatever? Um, and and how, how would she exist without the voices of other people? And we go from there. Right. The affirmations yeah. really come into play. Um, telling yourself that you are strong. Right. If you heard that you were weak so many times and then you start hearing yourself actually vocalize that you are not that you are actually the complete right. opposite. Yeah. You get to shoulders go up back <laughs> as you know, <laughs> you walk with a different yeah. walk. Right. So, yeah, I think that's something that a lot, a lot of people, I mean, everywhere struggle with, but in particular, I think teen girls, that's a, that's a major thing that, that we need to hear. Right. It's <laughs> like, these are outside thoughts. These aren't mm -hmm. actually, these aren't you. These aren't yours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So with Element and this podcast, we talk a lot about being, being in your element and what that means for, for a person. Tell me what that means for you and, um, you know, small things that make you feel more in your element to, to big things that you do. Um, small things that are actually big to me, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> pausing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Taking a pause. Like I've been on the go all of my life, right? And I notice that a lot of people who may 
what some may consider high strung or always on edge or experiencing mm-hmm. anxiety, take a moment to pause. Yeah. Right. Be one with your thoughts. And a lot of us are afraid of that. Yeah. Right. But they are afraid of dealing with our own thoughts. But that is where the power lies. Right. Going into that what we like to call shadow work, actually going into that darkness a little bit, you know, you will eventually find the light. So my small is taking a pause unapologetically using the word no when something does not resonate with me mm-hmm. and not feeling yeah. bad about using the word no. <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> <laughs> that was a really big one for me, but that is, you know, just practice, right? Yeah. Just, and understand that there's a period right after the word no. You don't have yep. to explain yep. yourself. You don't have to say why I'm doing this, why I'm not doing it. It's mm-hmm. just no. And if yep. I choose to come back and give an explanation later, it's on my time, right? Mm-hmm. On my terms. So that is something that's being in your element for me. Mm. Um, and lastly, I would say just really being unapologetically yourself however that looks, right? This is me. This is who I am. You accept me for that. And if you cannot, then you are not meant to be in my sphere, in my circle. If you do, hey, I would love to have you. These are also the boundaries, right? That I'm placing on myself. If you respect that, you're in. If you can't, you're out. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I, that's something that I've, consistently struggled with, especially saying no. That's why I was like, mm, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I, I think what I have done since I've struggled with that, I mean, my whole life, I, mm-hmm. my mom and I are major people pleasers. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that, you know, I find a friend who's a trustworthy friend or my mother and say, mm-hmm. they ask me to do something simple and I'll be like, no, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a really easy way to, to to transition to right. saying no to more major things that right. that aren't in your wheelhouse. Yeah. It, it is. It is. Yeah. That's that's the introduction, right? Yeah, that's how and, I In the beginning you may feel the need to explain yourself because that goes mm-hmm. with the people pleasing. I don't want mm-hmm. you to be upset. I don't yeah. want to cause a disruption, yeah. you know, I don't want any issues. Um but as the time go on with more practice, you know, you just you say less. Mm-hmm. You do more. That's it. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So I want to go back to when you were a teenager and mm-hmm. dealing with all of, all of your stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is something that you wish you would have known or something that you would go back and tell yourself as a, as a teenager? That everything is going to be okay. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Nothing else. Because in the moment when you're experiencing it, you feel like that is going to last forever. Everything is going to be okay. Yeah. 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 This I moment, think... this shall pass, right? Exactly. This mm-hmm. too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. I think that's what almost everybody who I've interviewed has said in some form or another. You'll it's, be okay. You're safe. Right. Yeah. Because it's so real. And you may not want to hear it while you're in it, right? And I get it, and I understand it, and I respect it. And I see you and hear you if that is the case. 
Yeah, no, I really, I really do appreciate you. Thank you for having me.